0: The Mount Shasta area, where Lemurians are said to be around, you've got ideas and history of these reptilian races who you could say are, I mean, that's closer to a dragon race than anything. And in this secret society, what they do is they they search for longevity and they have means for creating physical longevity. The whole idea around Saint Germain, you know, people allege that he was a vampire right? because for different reasons. I mean, one is, you know, he's an immortal. He's never seen eating. You know, the setting for True Blood, that series on HBO, was Louisiana, where a lot of right. this stuff was going down in there. If you're living thousands of years and everyone else lives only up to a 100 years-ish, you're either going to go full on, how do I take over the whole world, take over the whole planet? You're either going to go that way Or you're going to go, I just don't care about this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Metaphysical Podcast. We've been diving into the strange, the mysterious, and the occult trifecta that makes up the area of Mount in California. But even after covering UFOs, lenticular clouds, occult theosophists, the gold rush, reptilian beings... Bat, Squatch, and even Bigfoot, so much more. We're really not done. Did you know that there have been sightings of an immortal known as Saint Germain in the Mount Shasta area? Well, did you know that this being has been seen in some very strange places throughout history and has some even stranger, maybe impossible characteristics? Well, when you hear John Vivanco's remote viewing data plus my investigative research into how immortality, reptilians, vampires, and serial killers all converge in this historic history, your mind is really going to be blown. So join John and me for a show that's out of this world. And look, you know, we have tons and tons of really cool shows coming out. So you really need to make sure that you subscribe to us so you don't miss these things. We have a lot of crazy subject matter that we're digging into. Um, Make sure you also like wherever you are, you like it, and let us know if you've had any strange experiences surrounding any of these topics, we'd love to hear from you, yeah, comment below you guys, John how you doing Good, great, doing good. yeah, this is gonna be a really interesting episode that's I think slightly different than some of the other content that we've been covering just because of the history around this character uh, of Saint yeah Charles. let's I know right Saint germain, so. <laughs> what is up with saint germain like what i think most of the time i just hear of the sort of the 1800 1700 stories around this character yes but i think you yes. know might know way more about him than i do it's it's a very interesting topic um that we're going to kind of try to spread out <laughs> a little bit because there's so much to cover with him uh and we we will get into the remote viewing data on this character later just because There's just so much to cover around this to begin with, but Saint Germain has popped up in history throughout, starting in even 1200, really, and and and, well, we think, and then moving in through the 17 and 1800s where this character keeps popping up, and he's having dealings with all of the social elites all around Europe. Could speak any European language, plays the violin like a savant. You know, is extremely um, articulate, very good um, conversationalist, is a ladies' man. Um, You know, the guy everyone wishes they were is this guy, Saint Germain. And he's got like, you know, a, a large fortune reportedly. He'll show up to these parties with just amazing gems, claims to have the ability to generate and create larger gems or diamonds from smaller ones, like he can melt right. Them all so he was like he he had like uh alchemy uh knowledge, right? So well, allegedly, so, okay. yes. So al alchemical knowledge of some right. sort where even to the point where he's able to convince these kings and queens of different areas to actually set up shop there and do things for the monarchy and right. or experiment with things in the area. This could lead us to believe one of two things one is that this man is potentially the greatest con artist of all time or there's some truth to the claims that saint germain was something or someone that never aged past 45 you know there's a lot of contention around this because if you this could really go either way i mean we we have him meeting guys like casanova madame de pompadour, voltaire, king louis the 16th, catherine the great, the 15th, excuse me. Um yes, 16th was um right. catherine the great, anton mesmer. Yes, actually the 16th as well because they he was able to wasn't it? We should we should actually double check that because he did tell king louis and um Marie Antoinette that there would be a revolution fifteen years before that happened. So he had this strange knowledge. And even when when he was in conversations with people, his conversations were up to speed with the the most um the best historical accounts of things that had gone down. I mean, historians right. tried to stump him at these parties. Just very strange, very strange series of interactions with this fellow that have been documented over and over again. And now a lot of people see, and it, it's contentious because a lot of people will, for instance, reference Voltaire's quote about St. Germain when Voltaire, who was probably one of the keenest minds of the age, as they'll say, was asked about St. Germain. His reply was, yes, he's the man that knows everything and never dies right but we're talking about a potential like probably the most sarcastic comment of all times potentially right it's a man who knows everything and who never dies something like that y'all get the idea (laughs) so um and you know like i just i don't know what, what Voltaire's interactions with St. Germain were, but Anton Mesmer in Germany, who basically created modern hypnosis to some extent, at least was was one of the forerunners on this, claimed to have gotten a lot of his mentoring on this from St. Germain who seemed to have a lot of bizarre knowledge on these things. It and was, he was, he was literally like within the upper class of yes. all of these cultures. It, it was spanning from um, uh, a couple different European nations as well. Right. I mean, it wasn't yes. just like in one area. It was like, he was all over the place. Yes. And um, he was, he was all over the place, Spain, Italy, um, Britain, I was just all over the place, showing up at all of these events, um, you know, throughout history. So we're going to go over a little bit of that. Now, I think Casanova was jealous of him, of all people. Even Casanova Wait. was jealous of him, right? <laughs> Probably Casanova learned a thing or two from him, in fact, right. watching him at these parties. Who knows, right? right? So, you know, his his full name is said to be Count uh, due, Count de Saint-Germain but went by many alleged names in history there was a yeah. reported death of Saint-Germain in the 1700s after he had befriended I think it was Prince Charles um, one of the Prince Charleses that were around at the time and um, he, he had claimed to die in his it was claimed that he died in his lab but then in 1821, a man named Major Fraser popped up, who was a rich man that nobody knew where his money came from, knowledgeable about all the countries in Europe at all periods, incredible memory, and acquired knowledge from somewhere other than books, claimed to know Nero and Dante. Okay, and then Major Frazier disappeared, uh, you know. When it like no one knows where this guy went in 1972, there was a hoax that came up. There was this guy named Richard Chanfrey claimed that he was Saint Germain, even appeared on French TV, uh, you know, trying to turn lead into gold on a camp stove, and then committed suicide in 1983. That dude definitely was not Saint Germain. <laughs> he was not. But yeah. you can see how the reports of this fellow being passed around, even among elites, would cause a bunch of discussions and probably even you know there were comedians that were like making fun of this guy they would their their whole like shtick was what crazy adventure saint germain was going on right this time and they would get crazier and crazier every time they went out there there was one comedian that did this the records of saint germain seem to date his birth around 1690 and some claimed that his longevity reached back to the time of christ so have you ever heard of a guy named cartophilus no i haven't so there's well there's this conjecture that people make that this fellow cartophilus is saint germain because back when um jesus was carrying the cross to his crucifixion he stopped in the street and a man came and said to him hey carry on keep going uh basically urged him to go faster and Jesus replied, I will, I go, and you will wait till I return. But there's a different translation for this, which is, I will go, and I will rest, but you will have no rest until I return. Basically alluding to that it was like a curse almost, intentional or not, where this man now was cursed to have immortality until Jesus returned. Okay? Right. And then- A man named Cartophilus was said to pop up in 1200 saying that he was Cartophilus. I can't remember who he popped up to at this point, but you get the idea here, right? And then moving down into the 1700s, you get him appearing um, many times. There was a very interesting story, and this is probably the most famous story. of Madame de Pompadour, who is the mistress of King Louis Fifteenth of France. And she knew a Count Saint-Germain while in Venice in 1710. And she met the Count again in 1760 and gave an account of her meeting. Thinking it was the Count's son, she asked him if it was his father that she knew in Venice. He said, no, Madame, he replied, but I myself was living in Venice at the end of the last and the beginning of this century, I had the honor to pay you court then. And she, of course, replied with, forgive me, but that's impossible. The Count de Saint-Germain I knew in those days was at least 45 years old. And you at the outset are that age at present. Yeah, you, excuse me. And you at the outside are at that that age at present, meaning that he hasn't aged a, a, a day. And he said, madame, with a knowing smile, I am very old. She said, well, then you must be nearly 100 years old, said the astonished countess. And he said, that is not impossible. And the count told her matter of factly, then continued to convince the countess that he was indeed the same man that she knew. With the details of their previous meetings and of life in Venice 50 years later. This is probably the most famous account. But what's weird is... He's also been linked to several secret societies, including the Rosicrucians, the Freemasons, right. uh, the, of course, the Illuminati, the Order of the Templars, and others. There was even a, a secret society meeting that the Masons asked him to represent them on, and he went to, and this was in 1784, I believe, or 85, this meeting was, which is bizarrely around the time, a few years earlier than the French Revolution. And a lot of things were going down at that time, especially in France with the secret societies, all combining into one, which I've covered in different episodes that I've done throughout my history researching. The second episode of our communism series, which you can even find on Rumble, we go through exactly how the Bavarian Illuminati formed and all of the people and, and the different things that, uh, that happened to... Kind of merge them all together, what happened to French Freemasonry and how that even differs from the American Freemasonry at the time, all of that stuff. But that's interesting too, that he was even in with these secret societies, right? You know, what, what I find curious though is that it, it goes from, as far as the public is concerned, and, and judging this character as to what he is and what he isn't, um, it either goes into saint. Like, where did that even come from, saint? Yeah. Like, like who who decreed this subject a saint? Well, I can, I might be able to answer that. Yeah. The more research you do on this guy, the more you find out that, you know, his Italian accent was apparently a Piedmont uh, accent in Italy, and he grew up in reportedly or allegedly an area called San Germain, San Germain. Oh, okay, I got it. So. If he's the Count of St. Germain, it might be alluding to where he grew up. But that's not the only account of where he grew up or who who his father was. He basically pops up again multiple times, peripherally influencing history. Um, And again, remember, I told you in 1785, he was seen in Germany with Anton Mesmer, the pioneer hypnotist. And some claimed that... (laughs) It was St. Germain who gave Mesmer the basic ideas for hypnotism and personal magnetism. Now, when St. Germain was arrested, I think it was in Britain for spying. Yeah, this was right around the time of the Jacobites revolution there. He gets arrested and somehow gets let go just a, a day or two later. There's conjecture that he used some of these methods of hypnotism to just have them let him out with no, with, with, you know no charges or anything
1: um, right it's like how
0: how uh, vampire hypnotizes right right Char- charming right mesmerizing like, like, yeah. yeah i believe it was uh, francis racozy the second he had claimed that his father was prince francis racozy the second of romania now What really makes this freakishly interesting is that we're talking about Transylvania here. Francis Ricosi was related to Elizabeth Bathory. Elizabeth Bathory was related to Vlad the Impaler. We're talking Hmm. about the, the royals passed down in Romania of a potential man who is never seen eating in public just conversing with people never seen eating right and you know for those of you that don't know vlad the impaler was w- considered of course over in in romania he's like george washington over there because he protected the romanians but everyone else views him as a as a nutbag who is you know impaling people on on uh on Polls and, and just striking fear into everyone, and even known to drink blood at some of these banquets, allegedly. Elizabeth Bathory, his whatever cousin or I don't can't remember exactly what she was. She was is considered to this day the most prolific serial killer of all time. Yeah, she the the stories goes that she would hang her maidens up on the ceiling drip their blood down into a bathtub Bathe in that blood and it, and she was she was convinced that this kept her young and so we've got two psychos in the same area and now you've got saint germain claiming that he is of the bloodline of the impaler, like vlad the impaler bloodline who also prince charles claims to be a part of i'm sorry not prince anymore king charles Right. Lots changed here. So King Charles claims to be a part of this, the Windsor bloodline to have a bit of this. And he is obsessed reportedly with Vlad the Impaler bloodline, which is also interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember we looked at Vlad. Now getting into that just a little bit, Vlad the Impaler, also known as Dracul or Dracula. Dracul means dragon. And he was a part of a society called the Order of the Dragon. Elizabeth Bathory also was a part of the Order of the Dragon, <laughs> Society, whatever it is. Where did this come from? And then you have London, basically the entire all of London has this like a uh, gate around it or something that has these dragons on the top, which seem to allude to this this connection that the Windsor bloodline has to the Vlad the impaler bloodline. And if you pull up, like, actually go ahead and pull this up, Lindsay. So we there was an episode that we did, Vlad versus Dracula, um, that I would recommend checking out. This is on rise.tv, where we go into the details revolved around the connections here. Um, but, you know, this like creepy, um, what is the actor's name that played him? Gary... Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman, yeah. What an amazing, like that has to be probably the most notable thing that he's that he's done, right? That that Dracula, that movie was Bram Bram Stoker's Dracula was was insanely good, the way that he acted and all of that. Um, but I can't help but thinking that he's trying to portray himself here somewhat as like. Saint Germain, in a way. Of course, it's his own thing. But um, looking back on it, you know, just how he would handle, do himself up and things. There was also some weird things that were said in this movie that when I rewatched, when I was researching all of this, really, really stood out to me. And uh, his his character in this, so the, the Count, Count Dracula in this movie says, we Dracals have a right to be proud. What devil or witch was ever so great as Attila, whose blood flows in these veins? Referring to Attila the Hun. So now there's like a weird connection here, or like a cult connection to Attila the Hun, straight from right. the Impaler bloodline, which then goes then into Prince or King Charles. If... You know, if we're to believe that there's some truth in there, which is like, you know, of course, it's a movie. It's a script. You We have to look more into it. But trying to find information on Attila the Hun, who is also considered one of the br- most brutal men of all time. Right. It's very hard to do. Like, it's right. not easy to find information on Attila the Hun. It's like the same stuff is circulated about him, right? The Mount Shasta area where Lemurians are said to be around, you've got ideas and history of these reptilian races who... You could say are, I mean, that's closer to a dragon race than anything. Call it whatever you want, right? And then all of a sudden, this this stuff about Saint Germain pops up. Well, Saint Germain goes into a lot of the New Age ideology, philosophy outside of Mount Shasta as well, where a lot of people channel or connect with Saint Germain as they're one of the ascended masters or something like that, right? Yeah, um, and that's also strange, though. Because right. Because <laughs> where did that even come from? And the, you know, the I am there's so there's some different societies around there that really believe in this, like the I am society. Uh, there's another society too, like the Lemurian Society. There's some fellowship. Is it the is it the Lemurian Fellowship? It's the Lemurian Fellowship, I believe. And uh, there are connections in these societies to St. Germain as well. And here we've got Helena Blavatsky's influence as well, right? The I am movement. I mean, we won't get too into this here. It's just interesting that there's connections in the area as well, right? Yeah, right. Um, And... I think think that pretty much started with uh, Ballard, the guy who created the I Am Society, because I think that was the 1920s or 1930s where he claimed that that he met St. Germain on Mount Shasta. St. Germain came to him and, I don't know, gave him some information. So he set up the I Am Society there. Yeah. And that's interesting that it's connected to Helena Blavatsky because Helena Blavatsky has said claimed to have a photo with Saint Germain that she had met him. Oh, really? There there are some, some reports that say that. Of course, other reports say that she just had access to his memoirs or something. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and right. This comes from the Great White Brotherhood, right? Ascended Masters of the Great White Brotherhood, which gets into the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and, you know, that whole thing, right? So there was a lot of these uh, little, what were they? Little new age groups that were set up at that time surrounding like the White Lodge, White Brotherhood, et cetera, et cetera, where they made these connections with the ascended masters and then, and then, and then spoke their teachings, right? Yeah, right. and we have a couple of episodes on the Emerald Tablets of Toth and um, that rabbit hole is deep. I don't even think we covered everything. I found some new things on that. And it, it just goes back to the same thing where I feel like some of these figures in history were real and were a thing. And then human beings just like, look at what's gone on with St. Germain. Like maybe there was some truth to this, but then the stories circulate more and more things start to get made up. And by the time that you see St. Germain or hear about St. Germain years hmm. later, right. you're getting a completely different radical story about the entire thing. And I think, I think Thoth is a, is a, is a figure like this, you know, the whole idea around St. Germain, you know, people allege that he was a vampire right? because for different reasons, I mean, one is, you know, he's an immortal, he's never seen eating, and he's somehow making these creams or things like that. Women, can use for beauty that they're putting on their face and it's supposed to be like the best thing that they've ever used. Right. Right. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I've never, I'm, I'm happy to say I've never watched any of the twilight movies. Like I refuse. I like the last thing I want to see is one of those glittery dudes walking around trying to pawn off as a vampire. I'd really like to hear John, what you think about St. Germain. And I asked you to, to look into and you had looked into this a little bit yourself already. Oh yeah. We looked into it a while ago. Um, cause the stories around St. Germain are pretty out there and they go in all these different directions. And, uh, people, some people praise him. I think more people praise them, uh, praise St. Germain than they do like turn him into a vampire, but unsure they're unsure. Um, especially around the Mount Shasta area and the new age communities. So we wanted to know, you know, who this subject was, who this subject is, basically just like kind of like remote viewing them and getting sort of a character map of the subject. And um, what we saw was that, okay, so this this person started out life more or less as an orphan, physical human as an orphan. And they were brought into a family um, that was very well to do very high up well-to-do family that was also part of a secret society and in this secret society what they do is they they search for longevity and they have means for creating physical longevity so they took this child and through a painful process allowed this child i don't know about living forever but turn into a person, a human, that can live for a very, very, very long time. Saint? No, I wouldn't call this person a saint. This person is more on, in the line of, of a vampire. Wow. Literally, seriously, a vampire. But but in the same way that vampires feed on blood, or is it like- Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't like so overt in the way that we think about vampires, but it was something about taking energy from other humans. I mean, I don't remember seeing anything like specifically drinking blood, but it was a process of infusing their own energetic structure, their body, with energy from other human beings. I mean, it didn't go into blood specifically. Not like what we got with like Vlad the Impaler and, and Bathroy, right? Those guys were like seriously on this super duper dark side. Where, when you get to Saint Germain character, it's, it's, it's dark, but not as dark as those guys. It's like some, it's, it's connected up, connected, but not 100% like the same thing and i think mm. there are multiple or different ways that these secret societies and these people decide to to achieve longevity and this person saint germain no, not not like 100% totally self-centered like you would think of as a vampire but but dark nonetheless dark nonetheless um, definitely not saint and definitely not like an ascended master like people put forth. In fact, when we were remote viewing, you know, current location of the subject dead or alive, whatever subject was alive, absolutely alive as well as living underground, like underground. When we had initially got this subject in the, I would say like 1600s, 1700s and showing up in history, it seemed like that subject was, um, was younger they were messing around. It's like, it's like a teenager. Like they were in their teen times, even though they were in their, appeared to be in their forties, they'd lived a very long time, but mentally they were in their teens as far as how long they were going to live. And they were kind of like going out in the world and sowing their oats and messing around because they could manipulate humans and they could show up at these parties and then show up at, at a party like 50 years, 30 years later and meet the same people. While those people are really old, they still look the same age and they remember who this person was. So it's kind of like that, where this person was out messing with people because they were sort of like a teenager as far as like the span of their lifetime goes, right? They could have been many hundreds of years old at that point when they decided to do that stuff. And it, it seemed like in the data, it was kind of frowned upon what he was doing when it came to those. That were had lived longer than him. They were like, what is he doing? He shouldn't be doing this. He's he's supposed to stay hidden. We stay hidden. We stay hidden. We, we, We stay underground. So yeah, he was just he seemed like he was just screwing around quite a bit. So, so we kind of open up a can of worms there because yeah. it's, it's revealing that there is some type of process potentially that they're aware of. To it do was a change somewhat. with the blood. Absolutely a change with the blood, but it wasn't like, it, it, it wasn't like this person would go out and you, ah, bite people yeah. and drink their blood. It was like some infusion process that would occur. Right. And it would require other humans, but it wasn't like it was straight up how you think of vampires going and sucking the blood out of somebody's neck. It wasn't like that at all. But there seem to be others who've gone through this, according to what you are saying, that we're kind of looking down on this almost of what he was doing because he right. shouldn't have been interacting with society almost. Right. He so, shouldn't have been interacting with society. No. Is that's... it because those other guys that have done this are more spiritual and they are like more, they they're outside of the human drama outside of the human dramas and and what saint germain was doing at that period of time was playing with his ego like i can do this you know and i'm sure he did a lot more things than just what appeared in the history books in lore i mean he's showing people technology where he can change matter into something else he's doing that he's screwing with people Right. But yeah, because the, he knows how to do some of this stuff exactly. and he wants to show it off and do. Exactly. And do it, uh, and, and we sh- he was a real person. He is still a real person now, though. He's like living the way that these others live, the ones that were older than him. And he's living, not coming out and interacting. No, not, us. not coming out and interacting. No, no. So when you get to like Mount Shasta and you get to um, the whole Ascended Master idea, absolutely not. Like I don't, I have no idea what they are talking about because the real Saint Germain is a vampiric being. Hmm. So, so and it's interesting here. Like I've, like I said, I've never watched those Twilight movies. Like I can't bring myself to watch them. But Lindsay wrote a note here, and she said, "In Twilight, the ancient Italian vampires and the mafia are called Volturi, like Voltaire, who knew Saint Germain." Almost as oh, if yeah. there's like a hat tip to that whole thing there. Right, right, right. <laughs> Gosh, so <sighs> underground somewhere is this like, uh, like similar to? I mean, is it? Are we talking about Hollow Earth here, or is it like some other thing? It's staying out of the sunlight is <laughs> kind of what it seemed like. So, so this, so this whole idea that the sunlight actually has there's an some effect of that. Yeah. It's more like, I mean, it, it didn't seem like it was a hundred percent across the board, but it was like at a certain point through some kind of aging process that these beings go through, they would go more towards living underground, like away from people, away from light, just being in the darkness in general. So it didn't seem like, it didn't necessarily seem like this person was living and being with people at this point in time on the surface world. But I don't think things are so cut and dried, right? Things are, aren't, aren't so cut and dried as far as like how people perceive vampires to be, where it's like, oh, they can only sleep during the day because they, they'll burn in the sun. It's not totally like that. And it's not totally like they're gonna bite people's necks, suck the blood out, except when, you know, when you get to like Vlad the Impaler in Bathroy, Those guys were very interested in just the consuming of all that stuff. Yeah. In a very negative, negative, way more negative way than St. Germain. And, you know, I mean, that's almost like that's nasty. Yeah. Like beast, like, like animalistic almost. It was very animalistic. Yeah. Very animalistic and very like the remote viewers in viewing those guys. Because we were doing, when we were viewing Bathroy and we were viewing Vlad we were using this method called non-local image streaming in group format. So it would be a group of remote viewers going in together all at once. And there were, it's a mix of male and female viewers. So when Vlad was being remote viewed, the women in the remote viewing group were, were kind of falling in love with him. And he was very like, they were just saying, oh, he's That's just incredible. He's incredible. He's meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, he's all bloody. He's drinking blood, all this crazy stuff. But he's incredible. He's, he's super glamorous. He's amazing. Then when viewing Bathroy, it was the same thing for the men. Oh, she's super hot. She's great. Amazing woman. Amazing woman. But also dig- digging into their dark side and, and what that looked like, which was just heinous, horrible stuff. When when it was revealed to them what they were what they were remote viewing they were kind of aghast and they were being charmed like literally by the energy of these subjects because these subjects are still somewhere ra- out there right because they are part of the same sort of genre as Saint Germain um, not not exactly the same probably connected in some tangential way but I think what they've done is that some of these groups go in different directions in how they go about getting their sustenance. Yeah, yeah so, wow, different camps maybe. Right. Uh, yeah, and now when everybody was looking or when you or whoever was looking at St. Germain, was there a similar type of, I don't know, attraction? Yeah, attraction, yeah, there was. But we with those the viewers weren't as vocal on that aspect of St. Germain as it was when we did the, because for those we did paper sessions where the viewers are working alone singularly and they wouldn't be as vocal about it when they were, when they were doing it in a group, they were more vocal about it. It was like, it was like this group thing infected them. Yeah. So it was not, it was not cool. Yeah. Well, that was with Vlad, Vlad and Bathroy Okay. So it's really interesting that you said that, he was an orphan because there is, you know, when you look at people trying to debunk this and trying to figure out what's really going on with this character, they're looking for evidence of him, him being born, et cetera. There is an account of him being born in 1690 by an Italian princess who I guess had had an affair with a, who knows, an account, a tax accountant or something like that. I don't even know the name of the princess not even important the main thing is though the boy was born is hidden and grows up in this what i what i told you about earlier a place called san germano and so i'm just wondering in your data was this guy much older than 1690. Are we talking about a dude that's hundreds of years old or are we talking about someone who could potentially have been born in 1690 and then in, seven, in the late 1700s, he's about 188, 100 years old, whatever it is, and he's screwing around, having a good time and, and you know, uh, entertaining his ego? Yeah, my impression was that literally he could have been born in the 1600s. Hmm. He could have been born, like came to this earth life in that time frame. Not I mean I know you read this one story about uh, Christ carrying the cross or Car- what's the, the guy's and, name and, cartophilus or something yeah and yeah. cursing the man to walk the earth until he comes back but no it didn't it wasn't nothing it wasn't anything like that it was literally like he was born i don't know like 100 years or less Um, from the time that he was doing that thing. It was like, he's like a teenager in a sense, even though he'd lived for maybe, I don't know, a hundred years, 80 years, something like that. Um, if not longer. Um, so yeah. And, and continues to live today. So I, yeah, it seemed, it seemed that he was somewhat young as far as these creatures, vampires go. They're not creatures. They're humans that have been, um, transformed. So is it an alchemical process, this transformation? Or yeah, what? it's all alchemical. Everything it about it is alchemical because it also relates into changing matter in general and them having the knowledge in changing matter. And this goes into the secret societies in that whole genre, that whole realm, where they study doing that and then keep that information under the surface and quiet. So yeah, it was this alchemical process that had to do with changing blood out and energy and blood, energy and blood, among other things, chemicals herbs potions stuff like that but i you know it's like remote viewing data is not very specific it's just very general like uh, yeah process i have so many questions like what are the names of these types of beings what the names that they use to call themselves these things how many different types of them are there and why are we what like we have all of these stories and and sort of um you know, fantastical ideas around them. Why don't we see or interact more with them other than, I mean, what you said, which is that they're somehow hiding underneath the ground, but. Well, it, it seems to be like, like when the, when the data came forth on this guy, it, w- it was like he was going against what they normally do or what, what it was like. He was, he was a teenager with the whole thing and and they normally stay further back behind the scenes they don't like get they don't do stuff like that to to make people question that they can live a long time that somebody is living a long time they don't normally do stuff like that so instead they'll stay deep back behind the scenes and they don't necessarily need it anything from humans on that level or any interaction on that level from humans. And they can decide to do whatever they want to do because you gotta think, I mean, it's like any vampire story, like interview with a vampire where they can build up wealth and riches over the centuries and not worry or care about a dang thing that humans get involved with, right? But at the same time, I think, you know, some of these people go into wanting to run and rule the world, and segments of the world. Um, which you know, is so another they thing. Appear, like they'll appear for a short period of time, live a life like that, and then go into the recesses of the world again. Does that yeah. happen? You think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that happens. And then it begs the question: Did Saint Germain show up in Mount Shasta area or within that? Like, how did they glom onto the idea of Saint Germain as an ascended master? Right. See, that's this whole other thing that we haven't looked into that has to be looked into to try and understand, like, where, where did that influence come from? Because when we look at St. Germain, he's not that. So so did he do that? Did he was was that another one of his, his tricks playing boys, around? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Being a teenager, because heck, he could be a teenager for hundreds and hundreds of years acting out. Right. And so so you got to wonder. You got to wonder about that part. Yeah, or wonder about all the parts. Right. (laughs) Because this is, yeah, this is really bizarre. I mean, you had told me a little bit about this, but even that wasn't like, I'm still, there's just so many strange things here. I mean, there are pockets of, I don't know what you want to call them, people that call themselves vampires that you can find data on across the country. Now, I'm not saying they are vampires. I'm saying that there are people calling themselves these things. There's pockets of them in Louisiana. And it's strange that, you know, the setting for True Blood, that series on HBO, was Louisiana, where a lot of this stuff was going down in there. That's a really interesting series, if you haven't seen it, by the way. It's just how much stuff is going on that we just don't know about, really. I mean pretty interesting stuff and so i wonder though you know is is saint germain is he really in the california area or that's you know i mean it was he living in mount shasta right seriously i mean we've got him underground we didn't identify the actual location of where he was but we've got him living in sort of this underground cave-ish type thing i mean you know it's like it's nice it's not bad it's not like he's living in, in like in a dirt pit but it is underground. So what, is this Mount Shasta? You know, I mean, who knows? Well, and if you think about it, it's like how the elites who are in these secret societies look at us is how the folks that are a part of that whole thing that are actually immortal or went through this process would be looking at the occultists and the secret society people from their perspective. Because when you when you look at all of the discussions around the philosopher's stone, immortality, yeah, you know um, uh, Helena Blavatsky, all these people releasing information on these on these hidden things, they're very excited and passionate about those things, and they're bringing them forward. But you know they live their life and they pass, at least as much right as far as we know, right. So. All of these things being released into the world the way that they are, and people being really interested in them for as long as they have been. And then you've got this account of this strange individual breaking protocol and coming out having an effect on historical affairs in ordinary society. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're looking at like, we're just he had knowledge of something from someone because he had given, he had given, um, Louis the 15th or 16th, whatever knowledge of there being a revolution 15 years later. And Marie Antoinette later on was quoted as saying she had wished that she had listened to St. Germain when he had given her the warning 15 years earlier. And he was reportedly at her beheading. Right. Well, you know, that was also the whole thing of like, like, like he was literally not supposed to get involved in these types of human affairs as well. Like that was, it was like a reprimand kind of thing that happened to him because that's not what the other beings wanted to have happen either. And he would, here he was like consorting and getting involved in governments because I think that he had this egotistical lust for manipulation and power to a certain degree. Um, and so, yeah, he was giving information to these people and, and like advising them and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. He's not he's not who people think he is, though. What's the end goal of these beings that, you know, have this immortality or this have gone through this transformational process? What, what's their what's their deal? Like, why do what what makes them tick? Why? Why live well, like first that? off, Why, first, you know. the, the the original thing of 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 wanting to have immortality is literally fear of death. That's it. Of course. <laughs> Bottom line, fear of, of death. I mean, yes, understood. There, <laughs> right. I think that as far as what we've seen with Saint Germain, there was no like, there was no end goal. It was literally just, just be with what's coming, and to see what comes of it. And that's it. And I'm sure that at a certain point, like these, these, you gotta think like, if you live a thou, if you live, if you're living thousands of years and everyone else lives only up to a hundred years ish, you're either gonna go full on, how do I take over the whole world, take over the whole planet? You're either gonna go that way, or you're gonna go, I just don't care about this. I just don't care about this. What use is this to me? And why am I stuck on this rock? Shoot, I'd be like Elon Musk. I'd be funding space companies, companies mm-hmm. who go to different planets and, and and try and explore the universe if you're stuck in the body for hundreds, thousands of years. Well, <sighs> and probably, though, there's, space I mean, think vampire. about vampire. Well, yeah, I mean, think about this pain that you'd have watching everyone around you who you're friends with yeah. grow old and die. Or, or even if you had children and having to experience that over and over, I imagine after a while you would retire. You'd, yeah, exactly. you'd hang that up and you'd go and <laughs> chill somewhere. And you've got everything you need, you've got a palatial estate. I don't know. I mean, look at what happened. Like, look at Ju- Dubai Jetman, who was the elite of Dubai. A prince, all the billions money in the world you can have, and he's so bored of everything that he just develops a wingsuit jet and just smashes himself into Mm -hmm. the side of a building or something because he's so bored. You know, it's like I think they would just get bored. They probably miss suicide. (laughs) Yeah, there's a space vampire. Look at that. That has gotta be one of history's greatest cinematic uni brows I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's horrible. It's so bad. Oh, that, well that's that's the future for them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some leads here too, strangely. Like there's more there's more characters in history who we've come across in our research who have not necessarily claimed to be immortal, but that others think are immortal. And we're gonna have to go ahead and see if there's any truth to that and yeah. the entire Trying to dig into more, you know. Yeah, what's up with immortality and immortals? Yeah, exactly. That's a good. That's a good topic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're not any closer to finding an answer to all of this, but at least for the time being, we have somewhat exhausted our information revolved around uh, Mount Shasta, which I think is quite a feat. You know, ten Only or eleven yeah for the time being yeah and actually i really do think we're going to get ourselves over there someday so yeah for everyone who is interested in uh seeing an expedition uh put out here from us um yeah hold on to your hat and stay tuned um very interesting stuff john thanks so much for being with us again and um yeah i guess uh We hope you thought this episode was as out of this world as we did because it sure was.